Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Good Gabbers, how you doing? Gosh, we keep building this thing. It's just you blowing my mind every week. We just keep showing up, keep learning more. How do we engage? And today, I, I've got a great event for you to think about, a nonprofit that is working to pull people together to leverage talents and really move the needle here. Um, I'm really happy to have Cami Presho, Executive Director of Greater Good Northwest. Cami. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be yeah. here. What's happening? Lots of things, all the time. Heck so, yeah. Well, what's yeah. going on the, for the folks who don't know, you know, Greater Good Northwest? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I think the most important thing we're doing, we are trying to pull people together. We really look at four main sectors in the community, the nonprofit sector, the business sector, the church and faith-based sector, and then the educational governmental sector um, to pull them together to find solutions for the community because no one area can find the solutions, which I think we all know. Or we but, should know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes um, thinking outside the box and being innovative on how you do it really is going to be the solution. And, and having conversation with people at the table to ask, who are we missing? Is it a nonprofit? Is it a business? Um, is it a church? Um, you know, or is there a school that, that needs to come in and, and really help us, you know, engage in this conversation? So that's really one of our main goals. Um in the collaborative space. And you will find most anything we're involved in is collaborative. Uh, we believe in it. Believe we in love the power. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people here collaborate and they go, I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for another meeting. And really what we're trying to do is say, you can't afford not to collaborate. You know, when we bring best practices to the table, when we create partnerships, when we help and walk alongside nonprofits in this uh, community to meet their mission, we're hopefully taking things off of your plate right. that then is, you know, moving that forward in a more efficient way, I guess is how I would say it. Well, that's how lots of big things happen, yeah. right? It's not by yourself. Yeah. It's when people partner together. Yeah. And then execute. Yeah. Well, what, where did this idea come from? How did, yeah. how did your organization start? Yeah. So the board was actually formed before I came on. Um, there uh, were four amazing individuals who were already in different avenues or had previously um, ventured into the one of those areas. Um, you know, Anthony Carolla was on our board. He had run a nonprofit, been the executive director. So he not only had the experience of what that looks like every single day, but then also finding actual areas to go make a difference. And, you know, I think, uh, the organization he was with, they collaborated with schools to, um, make a difference in a, in a quick way that they could, they could see some results. Make some impact. Yeah. Another one of our, uh, members, uh, Jenny, she worked in a school for a nonprofit. So she worked for communities and schools as a site coordinator. We know them. Deborah yeah. was a guest with yeah. us. We learned a lot. Yeah. So she had some very interesting perspective, not only working for a nonprofit and in that whole realm, but then also how 
it works to become involved in the school district because it can be a little difficult to get your inroads just because they have sure. so many of their own initiatives and just, you kind know. Kind of a bureaucracy in and yeah. of itself. So she's been very insightful and helpful, and we've developed a really amazing working relationship with um, CV, the CV school district right now. Um, but it's been crucial for that to, to really understand it. And then Danny, uh, one of our other members, he launched a church. So he definitely understands like from the grassroots up how you um, do that, how you engage in the community and how you just stay on mission when you're really working towards, um, you know, what you've said is your, your goals. Uh, and then Jesse is our other board member and he had actually already kind of begun working um, on the whole arena of how many nonprofits are in Spokane and how many of them aren't aware uh, maybe they're aware of each other, but not what they're doing. And so there's the duplication of efforts. Yeah, we efforts. heard from uh, Ryan Ulrich was mm-hmm. on uh, maybe a month ago. Yeah. I forget the exact number. It was like north of 2,500 registered nonprofits in yeah. Spokane County. That means it's gone up since we started. Yeah. We always say between 1,400 yeah. and 2,200 because if you take the churches out, it lowers the number. Um, but yeah, it's a massive amount, which... I think is great because what does that talk about? Yeah, everyone about wants to be a part of something yeah. and help. They want to help. Yeah. They want to make a difference. And really, how does a nonprofit start? Somebody sees an issue or a need, whether it directly impacted them or they just said, I can't let that happen anymore. And then they go and they launch it. Yeah. Um, what they don't often do is stop to say, hey, what else is going on? I'm sure, you know, I've learned all of that from Ryan as mm-hmm. well. Um, but that's one thing too that, which as launched into to say, what's going on here? Um, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so that's really where between the four of them coming together um, and saying, we want to work to consolidate, to work on collaboration, to be that role. Be the connector. Mm-hmm. And so that is, sometimes people don't quite understand what we're doing because uh, we don't focus just on one specific niche area. Because what we're doing is finding out what is everybody doing and how has that changed? We have a needs assessment out right now that we've deployed out to over 100 nonprofits. Well, Cammie, why don't you just uh, walk us through a project that you've been a part of so we can really understand it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll I'll expand just on the needs assessment right now. So. It's a big lift. Um, there was a lot of planning that went behind it. I bet. It yeah, started out with, yeah, started out with five spreadsheets of the different major areas of need and then breaking that down into the smaller areas, so like physical needs, for example. That's one area. But then there's housing, clothing, um, food insecurity. So what we're doing is sending out a very easy needs assessment. It's, a, it's different than what I think most people think of. And we're just asking some basic questions of the organization. The first being, what are your most pressing needs? Because we want to know what is keeping you up as, at night as the organization, because then that also allows us to know how can we help and connect you with something. So it'll inform mm-hmm. you. Okay. Yeah. Second question we're asking is then what needs are you meeting in the community? And then very much segueing off, how did that change during COVID? Did you add a program, remove a program? Because we absolutely know that nonprofits were hit just like small businesses with volunteers even potentially not. Happened at SkillSkin, our world mm-hmm. changed. And yeah. Yeah, like what we looked like yeah. from then to now is very different. Yeah, so we want to know what needs are you meeting? Because we also don't want to be somebody sending someone or or saying that an organization is is doing something that they no longer are. 
Um, not only is that a waste yeah, of... That's not helping. Yeah, exactly. Then we're simply asking, what needs do you still see out there that aren't being met? Um, whether it's because somebody's asking you and you don't have a solution for them, um, or you just know it's not being met, um, but it's not something that your organization can take on. And then what we want to do with that main piece, that needs piece that's not being met, is go through and find where there is some continuity in the answers and then pull those people together to say, you are recognizing this need is not being met. It's a gap. How do we solve that? And is it us in the room or do we need to bring someone else in? So that's a, a great example. But we, I think we've gotten about 40 responses back. Some of it were building relationship. Uh-huh. You know, people are asking, what are you going to do with this information? Which we totally understand. And when we tell them what we're doing, they're happy to give it to us. They want to engage with us more. They want to to be a part of it. So that's been super Can fun. Can Skillskin help with that? Uh, maybe. Or do you have like your set parameters? No, we really just tried to figure out a manageable number of organizations to reach out to for the first round. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to complete that by the end of the year. I just found out from Jessica, my volunteer, who's managing that entire program that we have actually sent out a hundred percent and made contact either by phone call, by email. So now our goal is to collect all of that information from them, but then we're already starting to research round two of the next number of organizations. So um, I'm sure Skillskin could, you know, give us like, Hey, have you talked to this organization or even making connections? Yeah. Or even our listeners, you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, running nonprofits or part of Mm -hmm. the nonprofit space and are just community leaders and, yeah. I, I know we're looking to help. So yeah. if, if they yeah. were interested in participating, how would they connect with you? Uh, they could just email me um, and then we could send them the needs assessment or just start a conversation on what it is they they need or how we can help or just what their ideas or thoughts are is, is really, I think, the best way. All right. You heard it here, yeah. good gabbers. You send that note to Cammie. Yeah. Let's get involved. Yeah. 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 So... Okay, so now what are you going to do with that information? Mm -hmm. So it's collected, Mm -hmm. and we're going to start to braid things together. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So again, we're looking to find where those needs that aren't being met are, because we definitely hear about the big, huge, you know, areas in in Spokane. We hear about homelessness, Homelessness. mental health childcare. We hear about those all the time. And there's a lot of organizations working on Absolutely. That. Yeah. And so what we're looking for is the maybe the little offshoot of a community that, you know, they now have a gap in a need that is happening in this particular school district or that it's shoes, you know, that are needed, not necessarily food. And so that's what we're looking for to to fill that gap and to do it community-based because then if you find a solution, it becomes a permanent solution because yeah. that community wants to own it. So that's one of the key things we want to do. The other part is just simply having that pulse on what's going on in the community because if, if we also hear in that first question, what are your most pressing needs? When we hear a hardship, if we can find another organization or if we see potential for collaboration, that if that organization's willing to collaborate and it would solve that hardship for them, we'd love to be able to approach them and ask that question. By no means would we ever want to come in and say, hey, you two are doing the same thing. Maybe you shouldn't. Never in that tone, but to say, you indicated that you're struggling here. 
We know of a potential organization that maybe if you worked together, partnered, collaborated, cooperated, however you phrase that, that potentially it would no longer be a hardship. Would you be interested in that? Because that's what we're doing. We're out there getting that information where they're not. They're just trying to struggle through every day, or now their development director is trying to run the food pantry. Or right now, there's no even people in those roles, yep. right? So yeah. it's hard. They get real myopic, and you can't really see all those connections. Yeah. I love that work. Yeah. Love so, what you're doing. Yeah, so that's really yeah. what we're doing with it. I love it. Well, ha- yeah. okay, well, how did Summit for Good happen? Because, yeah. yeah, truth be told, that's how we all met. Uh, Dana called me up. She's like, hey, look what's going on. Yeah. And we're like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And it was a wonderful day. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, so it's a really interesting story. Uh, we we launched in January of 2022. And uh, through some other groups that I had become a part of, um, Call to the City was one of them. Um, and Boris Borisov was in that. And the, the Common Good Summit had been a conversation in 2021. And just, I think, for several reasons, it just never came to fruition. COVID. So, <laughs> yes. So they... He broached the subject of, hey, do we want to look at this again? And if we do, you know, do we want to kind of head it up? And the people in the room, I was I was the newbie to the group and I'm the newbie to the whole nonprofit space, but I'm super tenacious and I love innovative ideas. So when they said, who should do it? And Boris just boldly said, you know, hey, you know, I'm heavily involved um, with Ukrainian refugees and everything going on. I can't lead it. So we would also need somebody to do that. And so I very much waited to see if anybody else wanted. And then I just raised my hand because I said, I think visiting about this is super important because this type of a, a summit, I mean, I, I think it should happen and I'd love to be a part of it. So really three of us from that group, uh, we had a meeting with Tim Gatos. He's the uh, CEO of Together Washington who had done the other summits. And we just talked about it. Do we think it'll happen? Should we invest in it? Yeah, can Will it have the impact that you want right. here? And so then kind of just by accident, I just became the ringleader in Spokane because uh, I just loved it, said, let's do it. The other two um, individuals uh, were kind of moving into retirement. And so they said, hey, take the take the lead. And so we just we ran with it and started inviting people into the conversation. Um, and I simply love the concept of building bridges I love the concept of bringing people together across a divide, whether it's real or perceived, because I think having a perceived divide is more damaging than a real divide because it's so... That wall's harder, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, and it's so easy if you have two people sit down and talk that you realize how quickly that perception can go away. We call it, it's hard to hate up close in our world. Yeah, it's easy to do it over email, (laughs) maybe even easier to do over the phone, but when you're face-to-face... Not easy. So that whole concept, I just was on board with. And then it just went from there. And who do we bring together? How do we show that collaboration is happening in our city in big ways with maybe people you don't think it's happening with, but in areas it needs to happen? And how do we celebrate that? And how do we, you know, garner conversation around that um, to then hopefully inspire people to show them that when you invest in your community, big things can happen. And that's one reason we wanted to invite even students in from high school and and the university level, because whether they are going to stay here in Spokane as their home, or if they're going to end up, you know, they're here just for college and then they're going, if you can see that these conversations are possible in such a large way, 
let's get you engaged and inspired at this level. So an age so that you take that with you as yep. you're, you know, what progressing a wonderful up. ripple effect. Mm-hmm. That can have. Yeah. Well, so, I know it was quite effective, you know, yeah. uh, for Skillskin, we sat at a table with uh, a new superintendent of Central Valley School District. Yes. And we just, you know, he, he was interested. He was mm-hmm. like, hey, what's going on? I'm new to yeah. Spokane. Yeah. And it was a good way for him to kind of connect. And, you know, oddly enough, it was perfect timing for us because we had a big idea that we wanted yeah. to work on. We needed a school partner. And I can announce today, actually, that the contracts are signed around. Nice. Uh, we're starting a new project search program for students in the Central Valley District, um, in their uh, disabled student, high school students, to be interning at, with uh, multi care. That's and amazing. So the ho- hospital in the valley. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's on, that contract's happening. By the time you hear this, uh, like we'll be working on uh, you know the students for this next year. So that's yeah. amazing. And that I, I credit that moment because yeah. when um, Toby Bromling you know, our VP of uh, state programs called Central Valley and started to get that going. Heard skill skin. He already knew who we were. Yeah. I was like, all right. That's here amazing. we go. That's yeah. amazing. Well, and to Dr. Parker's credit, I met him the December before uh, at the Gifts of Hope uh, holiday program that we have. And he showed up and I think initially he was just going to pop in and say, hey, this is great. He stayed for over three hours and was knee deep in getting things ready for families in the food boxes and getting gifts where they needed to go. And I mean, I saw him and I was like, and he was like, Hey, there's stuff to be done. And so, but I told him about the summit that day and he was like, please invite me. You know, I want to come. And so then that was so awesome to hear. There's the magic, right? It's just to start to connect people. Yeah. How, how, what's your journey like? Mm -hmm. Like, how did you come into, you know, this heart of service and wanted to be in the nonprofit space? Yeah. Yeah. You said that you kind of mentioned earlier, this is your first foray Mm -hmm. into leading nonprofits. Yeah. What was your world like before? So I have a 21 year banking career. A banker. (laughs) Yeah. I started out at good old F and M when there was 12 branches in Spokane Mm -hmm. County. Loved that bank. Um, it merged with banner and, but really in my banking career, Uh, I started in banking because I had to start over. I had come out of a domestically violent relationship and I had a little girl that I had to raise. And so I kind of very much in the analytical way I did was like, what are my skills? I have cash handling, I have supervisory experience and customer service. My mom had been in banking years before. So I was like, well, I think I'm going to go find a banking job. Dang, Cammie. And I don't, yeah. And I don't think banking is going away so I can invest in that. Yeah. And so started as a teller, worked my way up. And once I became a banker, I had this amazing uh, mentor come in. She became the branch manager. Her name's Julie. And she taught me a lot, but she also let me run with ideas. And so at one point I said, I want to get involved and give back. I'm not sure how, um, but I connected up with the YWCA and they had just started this program that was called Hope and Power. And it was all about financial education and literacy for domestic violence survivors. And I said, oh, I can do that. And I think the main point was, is that to take something that so many people look at as such a a given, having a bank account, being able to pay your bills with a debit card, um, some of these survivors, they couldn't do because they were financially controlled. They either didn't know how to operate a bank account or they had negative balances that didn't allow them to open open an account. 
So we presented huge barriers just to huge, living. Huge. So we presented to the chief credit officer, said, hey, we have this idea. If we teach this class to them and they attend, will we go ahead and open them an account? And he agreed because really it was like, somebody's got to give them a chance. Why not have it be us? And I'm going to be walking alongside them, helping them, coaching them, you know, getting them to also trust themselves and a bank. Yeah. Um, so that's really how that started. And then when I saw how changing one tiny thing completely change the trajectory of someone, which includes an entire family, then I was hooked. And so I did that for years. And then it moved into the Bank On initiative, which was in Spokane. And it was just for all unbanked people. How do we get them banked so that they can easily do just everyday things? And very much was just kind of known as the volunteer queen. And people would come to me and say, hey, my boss told me I should be doing this. What how do I get involved? And I would just ask them, what do you, what do you care about? You know, so what is a connector it? Connector at heart. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, I care about the why, which is why I do it. You know, that's it. There's a benefit to me. There's a benefit to them. What do you care about? And then that would get them thinking and then they'd go, oh, cool. Great. And, you know, take it off, take off on their path. But I think that, um, just that really spawned that and to give back and to know, how far I had come and that my life could have taken a very different path that I just know that when you can help people see something that they can't see themselves and hope is such a powerful thing, but yet so easy for me to do, how can I not do that? So inspiring, uh, Cammie. Thanks. So then when this came up and, and greater good was, you know, getting ready to launch and they had approached me, it was almost the, I can stay in banking for another 25 years and coast yeah. or I could do this. And the very thought of just that every day, no matter what I'm doing, I'm potentially changing the trajectory of someone's life. I was in. I know. So, it's, uh, yeah. It's hard to argue with, right? Yeah. You want to be a part of that. Yeah. So who you are anyway. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, I don't think I recognize it as much mm. until I started this and then it was like, Oh yeah, this is just kind of, what I do and what I've done for a really long time. So, so yeah. Well, so now that the summit is part of the organization, I think a key mm -hmm. um, component of pulling people together and maybe, yeah. you know, I bet there was a lot more magic that happened at other tables. I mean, that was just our table, yeah. but I saw a lot of smiles going on, a yeah. lot of connections, yeah. the diverse group of people. Yeah. Um, what's the next summit look like? Do we have a date? Uh, we don't. That's one thing that we'll start talking about uh, next week. So our leadership committee will meet next week. And yeah, everyone. Yeah. Uh, all cards on the table. Cammie invited me yes, to be I part did. of this committee. I did. So you're going to hear a lot more about this on the show. We're yeah. going to make sure that we get everyone participating. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're working on solidifying a date. Yeah. So, I mean, I, my goal is to have it late February, early March. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have it as early in the year. I think it was still too close to the beginning of the year with everybody's beginning of the year stuff. Um, yeah, so that we'll solidify that. And then even the scope of it, I have some ideas, but I definitely would love to hear what the leadership committee has to say. I, I really just keep having things presented to me that tells me what I think the scope needs to be. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and, uh, but it's definitely be about collaboration and maybe collaborations that people don't know about um, big and small 
the impact it can have on the community. And then we definitely will be changing up a little bit of the format, um, having def having it more open to the public to come um, so that they can experience what I've definitely had. 95% of the feedback I had was just how amazing it was. And I had one person tell me it changed her whole life. Wow. And that was super impactful for me because it was like, wow, I did, I did not expect to hear that. I loved all the great feedback, but that I think was the biggest that it changed her whole life. Um, but it was about how to get involved and that she's been in Spokane for so long and she just didn't know and didn't think her voice mattered. But she was like, you've shown me that I can do things on a daily basis to make a difference. So, so that was pretty awesome. Oh, it's music to our ears. I mean, that's what this show is about. Just yeah. bringing a whole lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people from every industry we can think of, like yeah. all the nonprofits are doing all this great work. Like, how do you get involved, engage people? Um, you know, how do you do big things, interacting with government, private sector, mm-hmm. like all, all of that? That's like, we just want to help move engagement. And I know that's like what our listeners just love so much about, you know, getting great guests like you on. Yeah. So it's so exciting. Well, how long have you been in Spokane? I am a lifer at this point. I, we right. moved here when I was four. Um, so at this point, I'm a lifer. Um, but I never had to leave to realize how great Spokane is. I think you can even just travel and visit certain places and go, oh, no, I, totally. I would not live here. <laughs> I'm glad we're only visiting here. Um, but I also think that, you know, sometimes when you go somewhere and you think it's so much better, it's because you're on vacation. You know, it's because you, you don't have, have any responsibilities, yeah. um, you know, and when you come back to where you live, in reality, Spokane is a pretty amazing place. And that's why so many people leave and then come back. Um, and just, I think, asking questions over the years, too, from people that, you know, move from New Zealand, where I'm like, why would you come to Spokane from New Zealand? But then you hear from them and you're like, wow, it's so interesting to hear an outside perspective. And it is a pretty darn awesome place that we live in. So I think that's where, again, just knowing what we're doing every day that we're just trying to improve and shift how people think here. Um, it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you keep choosing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when we were having coffee, um, not too long ago, uh, you told me a story that you were our banker for our payee. Oh yes. That, I just love that you were, you know, yep. you were part of that for everyone who doesn't know, you know, what representative payee is. It's, um, sometimes people, you know, need help managing their money and it's everything from, you know, folks experiencing mental health challenges, uh, people living with disabilities and folks just maybe ordered by, uh, the courts to, mm-hmm. you know, manage their money and Skillskin uh, did representative payee services for multiple decades. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're now out of that business, yeah. but we were in it for a long time and, it was, it was hard to get good banking relationships, but your branch, and now I know you, <laughs> like yeah. you made people feel really welcome. That's good. And seen. That's good. And can you talk a little bit about that, what that yeah. experience is like, and maybe like some of like new tellers that come in? Cause yeah. that's a different clientele and with yep. a lot of needs. Cause maybe I know for us, like when we were cutting checks or connecting or even on a phone call, that might have been the only phone call someone had for the week. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, what was it like from yeah. the banking perspective? I think uh, when I first had moved to that branch, um, you know, just figuring out, you know, like, hey, here's, you know, this client, this is how it happens and just understanding it. Once the client started coming in, uh, recognizing that there were consistent issues with ID 
um, because they, it would either get lost consistently, um, that there definitely were some behavioral things happening. Um, and so to educate, you know, a teller on, Hey, here's what's going on. Um, if it gets escalated to a certain point, I'm going to be stepping in anyway. Um, or just being able to say like, Hey, I know who they are. Go ahead and cash the check. But it became, um, I guess I don't know how to ruffle feathers or advocate at times. Um, hearing them go to other branches that wouldn't cash their check if they didn't have an ID. Cause they feel like, they I mean, they're following, Hey, there's a policy. We don't sure. have an ID, but then recognizing what that's causing for the skill skin client, um, in that moment. And so I got a few people involved and said, can we just get some standard practice down that there's a note on the account that just makes it easy for any teller at any branch, even if it's in Idaho, California, that they could cash this check for this person. If it's under a certain dollar amount, we don't care if they have ID, they're a skill skin client, we're going to take care of it. Because I felt like that not only advocated for the the client cashing the check, it also took care of, um, or the non-client as, as it may be, it took care of our client too, to, to serve their client base. But then it also helped the employees to just know easily that they're not not breaking breaking protocol. Yeah. Yeah, They don't have to get approval. Um, and then I think I even had said like, put my name on there that people can call me if they have any questions, because I'm very comfortable with what we should and shouldn't do. And I'm absolutely happy also to make an executive decision because it was very, very hard on a Friday afternoon if somebody came in with a check that had a future date right? and they're thinking they can cash it. And we're trying to get in touch with people. Sometimes we could, and sometimes we couldn't, but then me knowing the relationship I had with Bernie conversations we'd had before to just say, you know what? I'm just going to cash this check for this person to make sure that they have what they need over the weekend. And I'm going to feel okay with that. And if I have to explain why I did that, I'll do that. But it really was advocating on both sides. But again, having to have a conversation that maybe nobody else had thought to have or wanted to have. Um, You know, and then there were times that we had to get very firm and say, if if this behavior is going to continue, we cannot have you come into the branch. You know, you have to at least have a minimum. We're doing everything, but yelling, you know, doing certain things. professional boundaries. We got to hold the people accountable. Yeah. And so, but making sure that we weren't not taking care of, of Skillskin's clients and just even, you know, um, getting an approval from Brian to say no, like we, and to hear him say, no, we want your, you know, it just kind of made it, I think, smooth out where it could just be, you never knew, or somebody would only come to this branch because they knew it just made it very easy to say, no, let's just take care of this in a global way and make it easier for everybody. So I love that story so much. It's, you know, where business is taking accountability and saying, I want to do better, Mm -hmm. right? All of us can just do what we're supposed to do. We're like, no, let's kill a stupid rule. Let's figure this out. Uh, Let's be compassionate while we're doing it. Yeah, Um, It's almost a little like accommodations in our world for people living with disabilities too. A lot of businesses just need to do a little tweak, Mm -hmm. kill a stupid rule. Mm -hmm. Just do something a little different. Mm Mm-hmm. And people can be successful in their employment. Yeah. And y- your story of this, I hope it inspires others yeah. to think about their businesses who, you know, yeah. what they can do to help uh, more people come in and work for them that might not uh, look or sound or, or be exactly like them. Yeah, absolutely. Cami, uh, any um, 
visions for Spokane from yourself, you know, yeah. from your perspective, your nonprofit that you'd like to leave us with today? Yeah, I think, I just think there's so much room for people to have conversations they haven't been willing to have or just haven't known how to have. Um, I don't think I realize how much I live and breathe collaboration until I'm talking with somebody who has been trying to figure out how to bring that to whatever area they're in. Um, I had a conversation last week um, with uh, someone from the city who's putting together a neighborhood council summit. And just in talking with her, she just said, wow. She said, the way that you think about partnership, the way she's like, we, I just, she's like, I just want to pick your brain. And so knowing that in so many different realms, in so many different areas that if, if we can come in and just create that space to have those conversations, to inspire people, to, to say, don't walk away right now. Like this, this conversation is just getting started. The small talk was awesome. I love knowing how many kids you have. But we're getting into like, now I know how you think. Now I know what you care about. Now I know what, why maybe you are so passionate about this area. Like don't walk away and don't let it turn into a disagreement. Ask questions. Find out what you can learn from that person. Um, So I think that's the biggest vision I have is I just see us being able to come in and create those spaces and help people navigate it and realize that, you know, and that's part of what the summit does. Um, it's part of, you know, just even engaging in conversation that I know we've never done this before, but that means we get to create it and innovate it. And that's the fun part for me where so many people are just, well, this is how we've always done it. And they don't think about breaking out of the mold. So I think that's the biggest vision that I see for us is just where and how many different ways and spaces we can do that and just have people think different. I'm sold. I know many of our listeners are too. Yeah. When you see Cami out and about, say hi, introduce yourself and see how you can help. Cami, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Absolutely.